This morning we're going to continue on. We're going to talk about Second uh, uh, Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And all of you are saying, I wish we'd hurry up and get to the part where we're forgiven our sin and our land is healed. Just be patient. It's happening all the time. It's happening all the time. People getting saved. People's lives being touched and changed. Um, we've been talking about the attributes of God and today... Uh, we're going to back up a little bit um, because the attributes of God, folks, we go on and on and on and on forever and ever and ever with that. Amen. We could just keep doing that. As I said before, we barely scratched the surface, but it was a fun itch to scratch, wasn't it? it was a good, I had an itch over there. I was thinking, I wish I had one of those things. That, but anyway, maybe stick it over in the corner or something just in case of an emergency. We're going to back up a little bit. We've been talking about humility and then we went into seeking His face and we've talked about some of the attributes of who God is and we skipped over the word pray because we talked about humble themselves, pray and seek His face. Now I'm not going to go weeks and weeks on prayer. Jamie Montero was here this last year and did a more than sufficient job on prayer, way better than anything I could probably do with it. But I am going to talk to you a little bit about that today just because I feel that it's important. If we humble ourselves and we know who our God is, it should overflow into communication with Him. Amen? We need to know who we're talking to, but we've got to talk to who we know about. Right? If there's no communication, then what's the point? We can know who God is, but what's the point if we never want to talk to Him? Knowing how great somebody is should drive us to want to talk to them. Amen. Did you know that we have people today that would pay high dollars just to spend a day with somebody famous? Everybody says, oh, wow, if I could just spend the day with Michael Jordan, or oh, if I could just spend the day with you fill in the blanks with whoever your heroes are. If I could fill in those blanks, do you realize that today for free, you can talk to the creator of the universe? For free. He's not going to charge you nothing. He's available and he wants to talk to you. He's not manipulated to talk to you by money. He wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. He just wants you to spend time with Him. So today, we're going we're gonna to talk about this because prayer is the special connecting point between our humility and who our God is. And if there is no communication, if our humility doesn't drive us to communicate with the God that we've been discussing who our attributes are, then we've missed the bus. We've missed it. So this morning, what is it? Well, basically, prayer is a divine communion with our Heavenly Father. This God we've been talking to, talking about, is, is to be spoken to by us. Not just talked about, but spoken to. He had this infinite, imminent, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, merciful, loving, just, good, and holy God is a God that we don't just have to be in awe of, but our, our awe should drive us to speak to Him. He's a God that we can communicate with. And, uh, and so, it's, so it's an exciting thing to talk about this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 in the middle of a bunch of directives from Paul, he simply says this, Pray without ceasing. Amen. Enough said. Pray without ceasing. The thing is, is that it's easy for us to look at this verse, very simple, three words. Others, others in the NIV and others will say, pray continually. Praying without ceasing, those three words right there, it's for us to look at and go, wow, yeah, that would be nice, but it's just not possible. And when we look at it and say it's not possible, what we have just done is, as we've looked at Paul and we've looked at the Word of God and we've judged both and called them liars. 
Why would Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, write down these words to encourage us to pray without ceasing if it were not possible? doesn't say it's easy. doesn't say that it's common nature. doesn't say that it happens all the time to people or that it's just something that naturally flows from us. It just says that's what we are to do. Very simple. Now, the problem is, is that we look into it and we say, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can live my life and pray without ceasing. After all, Pastor Bob, I have a job, I have a wife, or I have a husband, I have children, I have responsibilities, I have a hamster, a gerbil, and a dog. I've got, I've got some real priorities here. I've got some things going on. I don't know that I've got time to deal with all this stuff. When the truth of the matter is, is the Word of God is full of people that have got this and figured it out and did it. It's full of them. And we as Christians write it off and say, well, I don't know if it's something I can do. So today we're simply going to look at the life of Enoch. Everybody's going Enoch. Out of everybody in the Bible, he picks Enoch. There's like three verses in reference to Enoch. Well, before I go too far, I want to encourage you with this. I, I'm encouraged by my superiors to let people know when it's not all me. This ain't, this ain't all me. Uh, Brother David Ravenhill uh, Leonard Ravenhill's son uh, preached a message um, which most of this comes from last year at uh, Pure Life Ministries, um, their uh, uh, conference. And I was super blessed by it, and I know that you're going to be blessed by it too. I, I, I wrote down a lot of his stuff and intermingled some of my own stuff in there. And uh, don't try to pick my stuff out because it's, it's way better than his. <laughs> But we're going to look at Enoch's life today. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. This morning, our goal today is not to make excuses as to why we cannot pray continually or pray without ceasing. Our goal today is to understand that by looking at the lives of people like Enoch, people like Paul, people like David, people, and go on and on and on throughout the Scriptures, that we can see there is hope. Real people with real lives and real responsibilities that figured out what it meant to be in constant communion and fellowship with God. Amen. And that's our goal today. I believe that's why God put it there for us. The wording of Enoch's life throughout Scripture is made very clear. It's not a hit and miss thing. He walked with God. Let's look at it. Genesis 5, verses 18 through 24. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and then retired from his ads with Subway. Just kidding, not the same Jared. But anyway, <laughs> he lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years because he ate at Subway. <laughs> and then he died. See, that's the stuff I've added in that Brother Ravenhill didn't. <laughs> Just kidding. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Wow, pastor. You want to know how many, how many points we're going to have today? Twelve. And we will get her done, I promise. Twelve points. Things that will identify the life of one who walks with God. 
walks with God. One who is in constant prayer and fellowship with God. I know you're going to see what I'm talking about. First of all, we see his companionship. Our companionship will expose our relationships. Amen? Enoch walked with God. It's true for our spiritual life as well. You can tell a person based on who their friendships are. You see somebody hanging with a group of people, birds of feather flocks together, right? That's what I was always told in school when I was, I don't find that in the Proverbs, but similar stuff, it makes sense. And people judge people based upon the group they're with. Enoch couldn't have found a better group in the world to hang with than with God. That was his companion. Did you know that in Malachi it talks about uh, our wives being our companion of our youth? It's talking about a relationship, a companionship that is connected together, closely connected together in love, in, in, in intimacy, and in all of these things. Enoch had a companion named God. He walked in communion. He walked with him. He was not divided in his commitment between things. You don't see him saying that Enoch walked with God and he had different hobbies and different material things that he chased after. Enoch walked with God. He grasped what David had said when his heart and flesh cried out for the living God. These great men and many others had figured this out. And in Psalm 27, verse 4, David says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David says one thing. There's one thing. When we start talking about a companionship, if we're talking about our spouse, how many spouses out there would agree they best be one thing? Amen? Husbands and wives, in your relationship, there best be one thing. Me. When it comes to God, David understood. He said, look, it's only one thing I seek, Lord, and that's you. This is the mentality of Enoch. This is, this is what these men of God understood. They were undivided in their love and in their walk with him. It doesn't say that Enoch walked with God and four or five other people. It says that Enoch walked with God, singular. This is going to be good, I can tell already. Did you know that your companionship with God is more important than your marriage? Your love for God and everything in that relationship should flow from that into every other part of your life. Enoch had it figured out. Secondly, his communication. Who do we speak to? Well, Enoch walked with God. And we know this, that when we look at Luke 24, we see where there are a couple of disciples after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't understand what all was going on yet. And they're on their way on, on, on the road to Emmaus. And, and they were discussing their day. And Jesus appears to them and begins to ask them, what is this that you're discussing? And they talk all the way to the, where they're going. Listen, folks, it, biblically speaking, uh, if you look scripturally, anytime there's walking, there's talking. And if you're going to be one that's walking with God, that means you're one in, in constant fellowship and communication with God. And on the road to Demaeus, they were in constant fellowship and communication with God, even though they didn't know they were in constant communication and fellowship with God. There's sometimes we're in communication with God, we don't even know it. But God wants us to be mindful in our walk with Him, because when there's walking, there's always talking. They weren't in, in nice air-conditioned vehicles driving down the road at 75 miles an hour. It was a long journey. And when they went on a long journey, they brought a, a companion, a partner with them, and they walked with God. And the Scripture makes it clear that in the same way that one would walk with another individual and have companionship and communion and fellowship, is the same way that Enoch walked with God. Just as I would 
get in a car and go on a long trip with my wife. We sit there, we talk as we drive. It's the same way I should have fellowship with my God. You see, this relationship, this communication is reciprocal. It's not just me talking to God all the time. But if, if you look in Habakkuk or Habakkuk, whichever one you want to say it, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk said, you know what, I'm going to go wait and listen to the Lord. He understood, this is a man that walked with God, a normal, yeah, pastor, he's a prophet. He's a prophet, pastor, yes, but prophet were norm, prophets were normal people that God was speaking to. And he says, look, I will go and I will wait and listen to God and get an answer. And then verse 2 says, and the Lord said, the Lord replied, is where it starts. This relationship with God as we walk with Him, if we're going to pray continually or constantly have our hearts and minds on Him, that means He can talk to you anytime, any part of the day, anytime, anywhere, whether you're at work, whether you're at home. Listen, folks, you don't have to have a seminary degree to talk to God. Amen. You don't have to be a pastor at First Assembly of God. You don't have to hold credentials to talk to God. You don't have to be schooled in the right King James language to talk to God. All you have to do is talk to Him. If you're journeying with Him, you speak to Him and He speaks to you. Thirdly, you look at Enoch, his conduct. Did you know that our behavior is affected when we walk with God? And you say, what are you talking about? Our behavior. Sometimes when we walk with people, sometimes when we're around people, they embarrass us. Enoch walked with God. Who do you think would have been most embarrassed, God or Enoch? Let me give you an example. Do you have children? <laughs> Have your children ever embarrassed you? Have they ever said what everybody else was thinking in the room? Have your children ever wanted something that you said no to in a public place? You see, God, when we walk with Him, it influences our behavior. I can imagine, I can imagine that Enoch's behavior was impeccable. A lot of times people continue on in their sin because they don't realize that God sees everything they're doing. They put him inside the church, they put him somewhere else, and then they think their conduct goes on and on and on without any kind of, any kind of uh, um, consequence or anything else. Jesus conducted himself as a perfect representation of the Father. Why did Jesus conduct himself as a perfect representation of the Father? Because he was constantly in communion and fellowship with him. He was in such good, constant communion and fellowship, walking with the Father, so much so that when He told them, He said, look, when you have seen Me, you've seen the Father. How many little kids don't behave themselves a little better when Dad's around? When we're walking with God, our behavior is going to reflect Him. When we are in constant communication with our Father, it is going to reflect Him. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Folks, we've got to choose who we're walking with and who we're fellowshipping with. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. To walk with God means we cannot walk in fellowship with the world. Fourthly, His consistency. If you're going to be committed in a, in a relationship with someone, there's got to be consistency. It can't be hit or miss, folks. There's got to be a commitment. Enoch walked with 
God. He wasn't in front of him. He wasn't behind him. He was with him. And you say, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? How many of us know we can get ahead of God? And some of us can plant our feet and be stubborn with God. That's why the proverb says this. I mean, Psalm says this in 32.9. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. You say, what in the world does that mean? Don't be like the horse and bolt. Try to get ahead of God. And don't be like the mule and be stubborn and stay behind God and say no. There's no understanding. There's a lack of understanding there. They've got to be bridled because they're, they're out of control. Listen, when we're walking with God, the word with has got to be emphasized. That means consistent with His leading. That means in time with Him and in step with Him, walking in step with the Spirit. You're saying, Pastor, you're stretching this whole Enoch thing a little bit far. Is there not truth in anything that I've said thus far? With. Walking with God. Oh, how many times we've gotten ourselves in trouble because we got ahead. How many times we got ourselves in trouble because we got behind. What things might we save ourselves from and what might persecution might we bring on our lives if we actually walked with Him instead of holding back when trouble comes or running ahead when things look good? Patience. Fifth, his compatibility. Amos 3.3 says this, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? You ready to get dirty now with it all? This is the point where most of us get deceived in the church world today. There's got to be agreement. If you are saying that you are praying continually, you're in constant communion and fellowship and relationship with God, there better be agreement there because if there's not agreement there, you're deceiving yourself. Can two walk without agreement? They can't. They have to be in agreement. You say, what are you talking about? This is where the church gets in trouble. People come to church on a Sunday service and go home and say that they're walking with God because they attend church and that has nothing to do with it. This building that the word spoken, the worship done is a great uh, tool. It's a great encouragement. It's a great assistance to your walk with God. But being here and showing up and putting in your time is not walking with God. And to say that it is, is deception. Because of this, there are people that will walk in and out of the doors of a church every week and continue in their sinful lifestyle where people look in and say, I don't even know they're Christians. That's not walking with God because there's no agreement. Did you all know that there's a new pope? I just wanted to add that in. Anyway, no, I'm just serious. I didn't know if you knew this or not. It's been on the news once or twice. The whole world's Catholic. I don't know if you know that. The whole world's Catholic and is concerned about this. But in the whole process of them looking for a new pope, they, they go through this whole thing and then they're talking about, oh, they're hoping this pope will be, be, be a little bit more uh, liberal and so change some things in the church today. And, and then they made some kind of a statement like 40-some, almost 50-some percent of, of Catholics that were polled agreed that, that uh, gay marriage should be something that should be allowed by the Catholic church. I backed up for a second. I thought, somebody ain't in agreement here. Based upon the Word of God and based upon sexual immorality... We won't allow contraception, but gay marriage is okay. 
We're kind of off somewhere here. I don't know, but there's some agreement that's not right. And the problem is, is because people call themselves Catholic or Christian or whatever, and they go to a mass or they go to a church service, in and out, in and out, in and out, never find who God is, never agree with Him, and make their own standards in their own lives and say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. No, sir. That is not... What I see, if we are in constant communication and communion with God, 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Enoch walked with God. Who are you walking with? By what standards are you basing your life? 1 John 1.6, if we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. I don't care how many excuses you make. I don't care what you do to try to change it and and to resolve unto yourself that I want to find myself in a place where I can be comfortable in my sin. Folks, listen to me. You're dealing with eternal issues. It's not worth it. Aren't you glad you come to church and get encouraged? Let Let me say this too in light of it. Don't confuse, and I've shared this before, but it's just so good. It has to be shared again. Don't confuse God's permission with God's patience or God's patience with God's permission. Don't confuse that. You say, what are you talking about? You may say, okay, pastor, I understand that I'm, I'm being sinful in this area and I've done this. If you are, are a lying, cheating, backstabbing, slanderous, adulterous heart individual and, and, and you've, you've, you've gone down this path and you're in this path and, and you still can maintain some form of spirituality and yet you've still prophesied or you've still spoken in tongues or you've still had a word of knowledge for somebody or, or you get up and preach and, and it's blessed, whatever it may be, because there's a lot of pastors that have gone down this path and they've lived a life of secret sin, got up in the pulpit and accepted it as God's permission for their behavior when it was really God's patience and judgment came later. Way too often people walk in and out of the doors of church not living in agreement with God and they think that God's given them permission to behave the way they are when reality of it is is they need to wake up because God's being patient with them. I'll give you an example. Jezebel in Revelation 2.21, God's making reference to a lady that he's referring to as Jezebel. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. You see, God was patient. He said, look, I've given her time to repent. Friend, if you are playing a church game and you're in and out of the building and you're, you're continuing to not walk in agreement with God and, and God's still blessing your life, you better be thankful and you better fall on your face before Him and say, God, forgive me my sins and get things straightened out because He's just being patient. Enoch didn't have that issue. Why? Because he walked with God. He was in agreement with God. Tozer said this, if you want to walk with God, you have to love what God loves and hate what God hates. I've prayed that many times over my life. Number six, his conformity. Proverbs 13.20 says this, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Enoch walked with God 300 years, and it says, He who walks with wise will become wise. You can't find any wiser companion than God. I imagine Enoch knew some stuff, folks. After 300 years of faithfully walking with God, I bet you he could answer the questions like why the giraffe's neck was long. Or why in the world God made mosquitoes and flies. Those types of questions, you know. I'm sure Enoch knew some of those answers. Why? Because when you walk with the wise, you become 
Wise. But what if you, you start becoming a companion of fools? You suffer harm. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Oh, I used that verse a lot when I was a youth pastor. Bad company corrupts good character. So if that's true, then the adverse must be true as well. I bet you, I bet you that Enoch was very wise. Did you know that a Christian is greater than a disciple? You say, why is that? Because Enoch walked with God, and God is wise, pouring his wisdom into him. Folks, if you are connected with God on a daily basis and allowing him to pour into you, do you know that his end result is, is that you become like him? Amen. I'm going to mess with your heads a little bit. Ready? A Christian is greater than a disciple. Why is a Christian greater than a disciple? What is a disciple? A disciple is basically a student, one that is being trained to become like whom? His teacher. Correct? In Antioch, it was the first place they were called Christians. Why? Because they looked into their lives and they saw whom? Christ. They had become like him. They were full of the Spirit. They were doing the works, the miraculous things of God. True? Could you imagine being discipled by God and, and, and being declared something by him? Enoch walked with him. But you know what? The cool thing is, is that you and I are transformed into the likeness of, of Jesus Christ, glory to glory to glory. And how does that happen? By daily communion and fellowship with him. Amen. Becoming Christians. Jesus said this in John 15, 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Enoch walked and talked with God. His words renewed his mind and transformed his thinking. By being with him, we learn his heart, what his heart is, because uh, he's made, we've made the decision to spend time in the presence of God. Number seven, his confidence. This one I like. I like this one, confidence. Imagine that. Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do you know that when the word says to be strong in the Lord, that means, it doesn't mean that we're strong, it means that we're with him? <laughs> That's it. Why? Why do I say that? Because little kids don't get bullied when dad's around. Little kids don't get, get bullied when dad's around. You know, you know, a little kid can get beat up by the same kids on the block every day of the week, slapped, smacked, spit on, money, lunch money stolen, beat up, everything else. A little kid can be scared to death of those same five kids that beat him up every week, and, and, but, but something changes when dad walks into school. Little guy's still just as weak as he was. He's still just as afraid as he was in his heart and his spirit. But the reality of it was something had changed. He was no longer walking by himself. He was walking with his father. Do you know that there are so many Christians today that are afraid and fearful because they're not in constant fellowship and communion with who he is? There ain't no reason for us to fear and dread, folks. How is it that David, uh, David, a teenage boy, went out and killed a giant that, that made an entire army fearful? There was confidence because he had walked with his God. He had figured it out. Why was it that Daniel continued to go up and pray three times a day when there was a decree saying you can't do that or else you'll die? He did it in confidence because he knew who his father was. Why was it that he didn't fight when they threw him in the lion's den? Because he knew his dad was with him and was going to shut the lion's mouth. That's why. Why was it that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego weren't afraid when they walked into the fiery furnace? Because they already had been in communion with their father. Confidence. 
confidence. Why was it when Paul and Silas with their backs ripped off in a prison at midnight began to sing praise? Because they knew who their father was. <laughs> oh, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Could you imagine the confidence that Enoch must have had? Proverbs 3.26, fear the Lord for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Confidence, folks. When we walk with God, when we're in constant communion and fellowship with God, there's going to be a confidence in our lives. There's no need for fear. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what the neighbor says, the new paper says, says or, or, or if, if the, oh, we got the president, oh, we got this governor, oh, the economy, oh, this and all. Listen to me, folks. I know who my dad is. <laughs> and he's going to walk with me through it. Number eight, his contentment. God was his sufficiency. He would not have walked with God if he had not been his sufficiency. Paul was another one that understood this. Paul was another one that walked with God through it all. And he said this, said things like this, having nothing and yet possessing all things. To me, to live is Christ and die is gain. Philippians 3, 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. These individuals... They didn't have to try 400 different things. They didn't have to go find the best, most comfortable church in the world. Listen, God was their sufficiency. God was their all in all. It didn't matter what was said. It didn't matter what was done. They were going to serve Him. Today in our culture, there is no contentment. Why? Because the people of God aren't talking to God. He's not their sufficiency. Right now, they sit in their houses and they look and see what their neighbor has. They want everything their neighbor has. But when you get everything the neighbor has, the neighbor sees you have everything they have, so they try to get ahead of you. You see what your neighbor has, you try to build that up too. There's fighting and arguing and backstabbing. There's no sufficiency. People aren't talking to Christ. Then they, then they hop churches. Oh, this church offended me. Oh, that church made me. Oh, I don't like so-and-so. I go to that church. I can't go to that church. You know, I was told recently by somebody I can't come to your church because of somebody that attends here. I said, well, I'm, you know, everybody's got them. You're going to go somewhere else, you're going to find somebody there you ain't going to like. But I said, I got to tell you this, 98% of us are great. You figure out which percentage you fall in. Listen to me. There's no contentment. There's no contentment. Everybody's all upset about things and different stuff. Not here. I, I know it's not here. But you just see the constant fighting and stuff. Listen to me, my friends. We would get content when we'd find out that He's our sufficiency. Amen. Start trying to figure out, instead of trying to figure out which, oh, this church isn't big enough. Oh, that church is too big. This church is too small. Oh my gosh, that worship team's great. Oh my gosh, that worship team's horrible. I've got to find this. I gotta... Listen to me. You need Jesus. Period. Period. That preacher preaches too long. That preacher preaches too short. That preacher preaches too fast. That preacher preaches too slow. That preacher is too crazy. That preacher is too monotone. Listen to me. Just get Jesus. It's what you need. God told Abraham this. He said, I am your shield and exceeding great reward. I am. I'm your shield. Not only am I your protection, I am your great reward. The problem with us today is people haven't figured out that God is our great reward. 
Our great reward is the lottery. Our great reward is big fancy buildings. Our great reward is everything other than God. See, Enoch figured it out because he was consistently walking with him for how many years? One, two, three, three hundred. I need to hurry. His continuity, verse number nine. Genesis says that Enoch walked with God 300 years. Imagine three hours with God. Imagine three months or three days or three decades, 300 years with God. Notice it wasn't until after he had his son Methuselah that he walked with God. I got to wonder what kind of a kid Methuselah was. Oh, dear God. 65 years, if you see in Genesis there, 65 years old, he had Methuselah, and then he walked with God for 300 years. You know, your kids will do that to you. (laughs) I'm serious, man. Any young adults, any teenagers in this room, someday, you know, if if you have a weak prayer life now, trust me, when you get married and you have kids, it's going to change. You're going to pray a lot. Multiple reasons. You go, oh, God, no, kids. No, that's, don't, don't do that. Our kids, when we get them, we see them and we see this bundle of joy and you don't realize what it messes with inside of you. And you see this little creation that you love more than anything on the face of this earth and then it hits you. Wow, they're going to have to grow up in this world. Wow, they're going to have a free will. Wow, they're going to have to make tough decisions. Wow, they could get bullied and beat up on. Wow, they could get this, they could be that. God, help my children! Any parents ever been there before other than me? It's true. And here's Enoch with this baby, this Methuselah, and, and, and he stirred in his spirit and he walks with God. What kind of a legacy are you leaving for your children? Methu- uh, uh, Enoch left a legacy of walking with God. Communion with God. Fellowship with God. Do your children know that you are a praying parent? Do you pray? Not only that, it says he had other children. He had a wife and kids and walked with God 300 years. And if you have a wife and kids, a bunch of kids, and you've been alive 300 years, there's one more thing that you have that you probably haven't thought of right now that Enoch has, a job. He's working too. Because you don't have a wife and a bunch of kids and not do any work, but walk with God. Here's where our theology is going to get messed up a little bit. You say, why is that, Pastor Bob? Because right now, until this moment, we've pictured Enoch as a long-bearded guy that wears wears ratty clothes and lives as a hermit by himself somewhere in the wilderness someplace. He's a normal guy. He's got a wife. He's got kids. And he's got a job. And he's providing for them and walking. You say, how do you know he has a job? Because the scripture says that six days man must work. And he's in agreement with God walking with him. So he's working, right? Colossians says this. In in chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. There is no reason for a man or woman of God to make an excuse. I have a wife. I have children. I have work to do. I have this to do. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to be in communion with God. You know what? Something I forgot to add in the first service. I'm going to give it to you for free. Isn't that wonderful? Three things, three things that that, uh, Jesus was confronted with when he invited people to come walk with him. I have a new wife. I have a new field. I have a family issue. 
that I have to deal with first. Don't let it be you, my friend. Don't let it be us that would say, no, I can't because I have too much going on to spend time with the creator of the universe. Number 10, his credentials. Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6 says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He had this credential about him. He pleased God. Can I tell you that that is a greater credential than being ordained in the assemblies of God? That's a greater credential than being a pope. It's a greater credential than a PhD. It's, it's greater than anything, any credential that can be earned in this culture and in this life today. Being one who pleases God is the greatest thing you could ever do in your entire life. And here's the encouraging thing. You don't have to go to 12 years of school to do it. You don't have to go through four to eight years of, of, of uh, uh, college to do it. You don't have to get a seminary degree to do it. Simply talking with Him, discovering Him, finding Him, spending time with Him, allowing your life to be conformed to His, being in agreement with Him, being changed and transformed. You see, it's, it's an accomplishment to please God because it's one thing for the church to always talk about how much God loves us. You know what's easy for God? It, it's, it's possible to love somebody and not be pleased with them. Again, let's go back to our children. We love our children, but you give your children rules and things that they got to do and accomplish, do good at your schoolwork, clean your bedroom up, uh, be on time, whatever else, and then they don't do any of it. You tell me, do you stop loving your kids? Eh, no, I don't. Am I pleased with them? No. You say, well, but Pastor Bob, that's a human example. Okay, Malachi chapter 1, God starts out in verse 2, he says, hey, look, I love you. But then a little bit later, he says, I ain't happy with you. That's, not, that's like kind of a new version, but it is possible for God to love us and his people not please him because we're not walking with him. But Enoch figured it out. John 8, 29 says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus walked in fellowship with the Father. And here's another exciting thing about that in Hebrews 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The other thing that we didn't think about with Enoch is, is that we always think of him walking with God is that he's walking with him face to face. But he's in the faith chapter. He's a father of faith. That means his walking was by faith. It wasn't physical. You see, when Enoch walked with God, it was past the, 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 uh, it was past the Garden of Eden. Mankind was uh, traditionally hiding from God, and now suddenly here's a man walking with Him. He did it by faith, not because he saw God face to face, but he walked with Him by faith, not seeing Him with physical eyes. Well, that messed with our theology too because we just always assume that Enoch walked with God and saw him face to face. But really what it's saying here is that without faith, we've got to have faith. Enoch had faith. Number 11. I'm getting there, folks. It's about done. Jude, uh, Jude verses 14 and 15. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of His holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. Number 11, His cry. 
his cry, his prophecy. Enoch prophesied. How would, he, how would he have known that what was going to take place except by revelation? Folks, the secrets of the Lord belong to those that fear Him. He respected and held God in all. His reverential love leads into revelation by God. Genesis 18 says, When the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? God will not hide His plans and His intentions from the people that are in communion with Him. Abraham was a friend of God. He's walking with God and God says, should I hide from him? I'm not going to hide this from him. He's going to be a father of nations. This is a man that loves me and honors me and knows me. I'm not going to hide things from him. Listen to me, my friends. When we walk with God, he will give you revelation. Enoch prophesied. Why did Enoch prophesy? Because he was was with God. So many people today are prophesying in their own nature. People today are prophesying based on their own knowledge. I have a friend, a dear friend of mine that, that's not Pentecostal that's been talking to me about a lot of stuff and, and he began to ask a question about enlightenment. Why, if, if everybody's enlightened by the same spirit and we're reading the same word and, and we're being enlightened different ways, how do you explain that? The truth of the matter is, is there are a lot of people that are enlightened by their own knowledge and wisdom. That's why there's differences of interpretation. Not because of the spirit. The spirit's not divided and wrong. Mankind is divided and wrong. And the problem is that there's so many people that are interpreting and prophesying based upon their own interpretations and their own knowledge rather than it flowing from the communion and fellowship with God. Lastly, as Amber comes, I'm going to make it, folks. 12 points. It's a record. His conclusion, number 12, his conclusion Hebrews 11 says this, He was not found. (laughs) He was not found. Meaning this, somebody looked for Him. Mess with your theology again. Okay, you ready? There's the mentality out there that says that if you follow Christ, everybody's going to hate you. There's a mentality out there that says that you can be too, uh, so heavenly, so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You know all these great pieces of wisdom that you find in the Proverbs of people. (laughs) That's a lie, folks. That is a lie. Pastor, I don't want to be so spiritual that all the time I just sit around and pray and seek the Lord and then people are going to hate me and I'm going to go... No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Just relax. Breathe in, breathe out. God has called us to be like Him, to know Him, And folks, when we're in relationship with Him, your life now becomes something that impacts this dark world. And and Jesus, everybody said, well, everybody hated Jesus. No. The the self-righteous religious people hated Jesus. Those that were in darkness saw a great light. You tell me, if you're living in darkness, if this great light isn't a welcome thing to see. You know what? You're a city on a hill. You are a welcoming thing when you are full of the presence of God, when you are walking with Him in communion, when you are understanding His will in your life, when He's showing revelation to you, when you actually got something to share with somebody, when you've got some real encouragement that brings real truth into people's lives, when you've got something inside of you because you're walking with God, you are going to be missed when you're gone. 
It's a sad thing when a church dies out in communities. When, it, when, when a community, the, the darkness overtakes the church because the church was, was too afraid or didn't get involved or didn't take God serious enough. What darkness flows through that community? If you look in Europe now, there's all kinds of, of churches being turned into mosques and everything else because, because the light was shut out of themselves. Not because God is weak, but because mankind did not walk with God. Did not. Today, my friends, don't believe the lie of the enemy that says if you do the stuff that I'm talking about today, if you start seeing the conformity and the agreement and the consistency of walking with God and, and, and pursuing God in your prayer and pursuing Him at work and allowing His light to shine through you, the lie that says that you're not going to be popular, you're not going to be famous, you're not going to be used of God, all this kind of nonsense baloney. When a righteous man or woman that has served God their entire life leaves this earth, they're missed. I think of people like David Wilkerson. I, I think of like people like Mother Teresa. I, there's many, many, many. We could go on and on with the lists of people that served God, walked in fellowship and communion with Him. And when they left this earth, there was a hole because people looked for them because of their community, because of what they had done. You say, Pastor, I don't get it. Remember Elijah when Elisha was there and Elijah was taken up and they looked for Elijah for so long? missed. Friends, be in communion with God. And when you take, when He takes you from this life, you'll be missed here. But, but there's even more exciting news than that. Enoch was taken by God. And I've heard people kind of make the joke before and say, well, yeah, God and Enoch were out walking one day and said, hey, where do you want to go fellowship? And, and, and uh, God said, uh, my house is closer. Let's go to my house. I don't know, but I do know this. For those that walk in communion and fellowship with God, there is a promise that we will have the same result as Enoch. Amen. We will be with Christ physically in His presence. Walk with the Lord, church. Why wouldn't you want to? Walk in communion. You say, Pastor, I thought we were talking about prayer. I have been. <laughs> Walking and talking with my Lord and companionship and fellowship, knowing who He is and being changed by His presence. Stand with me this morning. Father, we just thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love, Your mercy.